all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at UMMC. Every parent wants to see a beautiful smile on their child's face, but sometimes our teeth just don't cooperate. When should you seek help with routine checkups, and what kind of solutions are out there for the problems that you're having? Did you know that your child's oral health can affect their risk of heart disease or other medical problems? We're going to be talking about all these issues today with the help of our special guest, pediatric dentist and orthodontist, Dr. Chris Henry, who's joining us by phone this morning from uh, from Florida. Usually it's from Alaska, but he's in warmer climates now. Are you Are you with us, Chris? Uh, yes, Dr. Stewart, I am. Thank you. Thanks for calling today. Uh, remind our listeners uh, sort of uh, your your journey, your uh, training into uh, dentistry and orthodontics. Uh, yeah, I graduated uh, at UMC uh, School of Dentistry in uh, 96, uh, kind of dates me a little bit there. And then I, after a four-year program there, I went on to uh, a dental specialty in pediatric dentistry. And uh, that was a, a two-year program, hospital-based program. And from there, I, I decided I quite wasn't, wasn't quite done with my uh, um, training, and um, and I decided to kind of switch gears a little bit and go into the orthodontic um, direction, which was another two and a half year master's master's thesis um, program in St. Louis. And uh, after that, I practiced a little bit in Jackson, Madison area. And uh, after a little bit of time there, I decided I wanted to kind of a little bit more adventure. I went up to Alaska for about 12 years, and uh, due to my parents getting older, I've just uh, relocated out of back out of Alaska, uh, down near where they live in um, Jacksonville, St. Augustine area, Florida. So uh, that is a, that's a lot of training, Chris, uh, for uh, yes. for what you do, and uh, certainly you're an expert in the areas of, of of both those things. I, you know, I, I imagine I'm not as versed in dentistry or orthodontics, but I imagine it's like medicine that there have been so many new advances, and we have so much more information. Uh, so many more areas that are super specialized and different things that we recommend now than we did 20 years ago. I imagine it's changed just as much. Yeah, you know, uh, in the term of the the pediatric dental world, I mean, it, it used to be at a two or three years of age. Now they're really recommended around one year, twelve months, and not, I'm sure parents uh, are listening. Like, what possibly could you do at twelve months? And a lot, a lot of times, that's uh, more for training for the parent. Um, most of the time, parents are reading all kind of books before their wonderful child comes uh, into the world. Uh, but as far as dental, around eight to ten months is when some of those primary teeth start to show up and you know there might be this overlooked thing about how do we take care of it what should we look for and and is there anything that's coming in irregular so that just means it's starting the child also if everything's perfect um, which a lot of times we hope that it is it also helps the child get used to uh, recurrent visits in a a comfortable environment versus going when there's something 
you know, where that's, they have to have some intense care. I mean, I imagine that's a big issue because it can affect how well an exam you get from them. And certainly you don't want to set up those behavior patterns that every time mom or dad says, come on, we're going to the dentist, that they go nuts. <laughs> Well, it's always better if uh, the parent can be on our side or the professional side and make us look like a, a good person versus, uh, a, a, you know, the monster under the bed, you know. And, Absolutely. And so if you can kind of kind of have those uh, really nice experiences where the cleanings and checkups, we're staying ahead of any kind of concerns and the cleaning and all the uh, the information and instructions to, to going to a parent is uh, well ahead of time versus uh, seeing the child for the first time at three or four and maybe they've had something like, uh, called baby bottle decay, where parent didn't know they weren't supposed to, you know, put a bottle and give it to the child all night long, and sure. you know, sugar's wreaking havoc. And then you're looking at almost like a full mouth restoration in primary teeth, which uh, most people think that most primary teeth are expendable, but they serve a lot of purposes, not only for function, chewing the food during the during those first. Uh, decade of life, but it also holds space for the permanent teeth. And that's kind of the other specialty that I'm in. You know, we, we want to hold space naturally. That's the easiest way. And uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll have less orthodontic needs as uh, the child gets older. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and I have my special guest, Dr. Chris Henry, a pediatric dentist and pediatric orthodontist, and uh, he is uh, going to talk about all kinds of different topics today, but but we would love for you to call in with any kind of dental health problems that you or your family are having. You can reach us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or you can send an email to kids at mpbonline.org so we're just you know sort of talking about the importance of dental health and how important it is to establish those patterns both at what you do at home and what you do with your with your expert in the area with your pediatric dentist uh, you know, a question that comes up is one that you just addressed, you know, sort of a change from two years of age down to one year of age for seeing the dentist. That's a question that I get uh, with new families often. You know, when do they need to go? Um, and what about what they need to do early? You mentioned, you know, normal tooth eruption about when it occurs. Uh, if they have one or two teeth that are coming in, what are some of the things that parents can do early just to go ahead and, uh, you know, start those good habits for life to uh, preserve their dental health? Yeah, you know, there's always, uh, uh, you know, the things like when do we start brushing? And I, and I would just say when the tooth is visible. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean with a toothbrush. That can be kind of invasive, especially in a, you know, sure. 8 to 10, 12-month-old that, that's teething. It doesn't feel good. All of us probably can't remember when we started teething the first time, but it's an uncomfortable process. Uh, if your child's 11 or 12 and, and starting to get those 12-year molars, they can let you know how that, that experience feels. As a, <laughs> Ask you know, they're them more how it feels. They're, 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 yeah, they're more verbal at, this, at that stage of the game. But, you know, when you just – they have different little adapters that fit over the tip of your finger that have little bristles. Uh, sometimes a, a cloth even unless, you know, if you can't really get in there with a brush. But the earlier you start cleaning um, and, 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 and having that as part of their daily process, the easier it's going to be. I can't tell you how many times I've had the conversation, well, you know, they waited till two or three to implement some of these uh, daily routines, and they're, they're, they're really losing the battle. You know, I mean, I can't tell you their hair's done, their shoes, everything, clothes are matching, but their teeth are really suffering. And yeah. so, you know, I, I just I, I try to reassure the parents that if they can implement it and stick with it, it will get easier. Kind of like anything, just any routine medical procedures, it, it just gets easier the more you stay dedicated to it. 
and, and earlier you start it, the battles will be, you know, less frequent and probably less, you know, um, involved for sure for yeah. most of the parents. And, you know, I mean, there's so many fun things now. I mean, all the toothbrushes and floss, uh, you know, uh, uh, different ways it looks. You got the dinosaur line. You got the superhero <laughs> line. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can really uh, capitalize on to try to get an increased interest in that and make it a fun process. You're exactly right, Doctor. You can't beat the the entertainment value, of, especially like the DC, the Marvel. I mean, who doesn't love a Hulk toothbrush? You know, that's green and flashing lights. There's so many things to distract uh, your kid. They don't even realize they're they're doing something healthy probably most of the time. Um, so you, you know, you just have to kind of pick out what works. Again. I've always said I don't care the type or model. The bristles have to touch the teeth, you know, so that's the important thing. Uh, Don't get so distracted or so distracted by the amount of toothpaste. We want to use like a pea-sized amount. You want to make sure, too, that they're using the appropriate age responsible because there's different what's called fluoride in the toothpaste, and it's different than fluoride that could be in your drinking water. uh, So that would be a higher percentage in the toothpaste? Yeah, if you men a dentist like a more an adult type, uh-huh. they might have a child's line. I'm not sure. I don't want. I don't. I don't have any. You know, investment in that company. But um, you, you know, you really want to read the labels and make sure it's, it's age specific. Right. And but keep keep in mind, it's also portion. You just need a pea amount, pea size amount. I mean, um, the bristles are doing the work. Uh, but some of the kids, some of the flavors are. You know, they taste good. So it, when the parents aren't looking, they're putting more on. It's kind of oh, like the mac and cheese. They'll eat the know? whole tube. So, We've seen yeah, some yeah. in the PZR that way, like a whole. Tube yeah. of toothpaste. Um, not good. Not, no, it's not. Not good, <laughs> not, not good systemically. And, uh, you know, it it, it, it it just needs to be controlled. And, I, and once again, I think when you're regulating that as a parent and you're involved in, into that small amount pea size, and, um, and, I, and I, know, I know we're in the South, and, you know, pea size means the smaller peas, not like a butter bean, all right? That's so right. We're, we're, we're No going, beans, we're just going, peas. <laughs> we're going like crowder <laughs> peas or black-eyed peas, not like the full uh, yeah. full full butter bean size for sure. <laughs> I know there's probably some some parents out there that are, like, measuring this out as we're, as we're talking. Right. So we <laughs> right. don't have to be that precise, but just a small amount's fine. And another another thing as far as addressing the cleaning habits and stuff, um, you know, I get another question like flossing. Some parents think that, oh, they have to wait till they're a teenager or older. You know, it's, it's really important to implement flossing. And, and they have some cool um, uh, tools in the flossing area, the little plastic flossers. I think they're even dinosaur-shaped, too, since you brought up dinosaurs. And they help clean in between the teeth. Um, primary teeth or baby teeth a lot of times have spaces in them. Um, and you might not think, oh, there's spaces, I don't have to floss. But when they start getting those uh, two-year-old molars and they're making contact, Sometimes you really you you can't really get bristles of the toothbrush to clean adequately enough in between there. Flossing is going to be what's going to save you from those cavities that start in between the teeth where we can't see without an X-ray. Right. That's why sometimes you have to have those little X-rays to see what we can't see in the mouth, and they can creep up on it. It, it. You can have a mouth that looks completely healthy, take an X-ray, and sometimes see these small incipient cavities that are starting to grow in between the teeth that have to be addressed. I mean, it's almost like the same concept of an iceberg at sea. What you see above the waterline may not tell you the whole story. All that, th- those things that can mm-hmm. be below the waterline or below the gum line, um, yeah. or in between. You know, and even uh, it can be above the gum line, but in between. But you just can't uh, get a good look at. And and you brought up some of the advances in dentistry, um, uh, and a lot of that has been in uh, radiographs or X-rays. Um, you know, they're digital, so there's a less exposure there too. So sometimes, you know. You, you hear sometimes on some of the, the news reports about, you know, radiation exposure and stuff. So that's actually decreased a lot of times. And it's a lot easier to 
to email to another specialist and, and, you know, kind of get that other information out and about without, without having kind of the old, uh, you know, <laughs> the old film based, uh, things. I'm sure. Yeah, I think I, most, I, most I, places now I think are, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong or, are digital. So I think yeah. most of those, uh, it's just less, uh, it's easier to, to get that information back and forth. Same thing with, you know, adult radiologic studies now. And and a lot of times you can change just like you can on the pictures on your phone. You can change change the intensity so you can go yeah. in and out of that X-ray to see if what maybe what we couldn't see before without using some imagination, sure. you know, per, per se. We're talking with Dr. Chris Henry, pediatric orthodontist and pediatric dentist, and going to be. Uh Discussing some more things about your child's teeth. We would love for you to call in. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, there will be plenty of time for you to reach us at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after this break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart here with Dr. Chris Henry, pediatric orthodontist and pediatric dentist, uh, to talk about uh, your kids' oral health and what's going on with that. Would love for you to call us this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org. It's talking about some basic things that you can do with your kids' health, particularly when they're younger. How do you really get the ball rolling on good oral health? And uh, you know, Dr. Henry brought up the fact that you know sometimes we. Oral health is one of those things. I think sleep is another one that we uh, tend to ignore. Uh, nutrition is one also, and uh, can go by the wayside. And with some families, uh, you know, sort of let that go. It can be a negative experience that maybe they had once or twice in the path, the past, and they're going to sort of tend to uh, ignore that or avoid that as they go along with their kids. But it really is important. And um, what would you say, Dr. Henry, about, you know, I know a lot of people ask questions about, well, who should I go to? Should I go to just a dentist or a pediatric dentist? Does it make a difference? I know there's differences in training, but what are the, what's the thought there? You know, um, being a double specialist in the, in the, in the dental field, I, I think, uh, you know, this is kind of like a, a loaded question, if you will. It's kind of hard to say, you know, if your kid's younger. If, if your kid is kind of straightforward and you have a, a dentist that's been like a family dentist that sees a, a number of kids, um, a lot of times they will feel comfortable treating kids. And if they get to something that's um, a little bit more challenging or difficult as far as like maybe if the treatment's more involved or the behavior becomes an issue, then certainly you want to look more towards a you know, pediatric dentist to kind of handle them, especially if they're younger, like three or four and they're just anxious or they've just in their in their mind they just have a uh, an overwhelming anxiety about going to, to to receive dental care. I know a lot of times 
in the pediatric dental settings, um, it's just fun. I mean, you know, it's kind of like when you were a kid and you went to Chuck E. Cheese. It wasn't about the pizza. It was more about the, you know, the skee ball. The and games, the everything, game. right. And that absolutely. scary mouse. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, um, you, you just have to kind of you, – you'll – you just have some dentists that are more specialized um, in more adult type procedures, maybe you know dentures, complex cases that you know childs may or may not be part of their everyday experience. But it's not, it's not to say that they can't handle kids. Every dentist is trained. We we have to go through our third and fourth year of dental school, like medical school, mm-hmm. seeing everything from pediatric patients, geriatrics to um, emergencies and and everything else. You just get some that are just a little bit more more comfortable and you you'll pick up on that as a as as a parent but certainly if there's something more involved like a cleft lip or a syndrome you know those type cases are are usually better handled in a a pediatric dental setting where there's some more extensive training sometimes even a hospital-based training you know a lot of parents get particularly from from uh you know from a dentist standpoint they'll get sort of word of mouth means a lot and yeah. Uh, if you ask your, you know, other parents, you know, what are your experiences, your kids, who do they go to? Uh, a lot of times, I mean, you can learn a lot that way. And certainly, uh, you know, had to take it with a little bit of grain of salt because everybody's a little bit different and their experiences are going to be different. But, um, but you're well, right. Yeah, be, yeah, you know, being in the profession as long as I think we both have, um, you know, I think when we first got started in uh, medicine and dentistry, it's kind of like the yellow pages where, you know, that was a premier marketing, you know, kind of get your name out. And we mentioned technology changes. Now it's more social media. And yeah. I think with yeah. anything, when you see those threads in your Facebook, like, my child needs braces, I, the dentist told me, or he just he or she looks like they need help, who do you guys see? And, I, and I, you know, bless your heart, I think most of our friends and family have their own opinion. But you, if, if a name is thrown out there, I would, I would really take the time to go to their website, check some of the reviews, other people who actually gone there and had some experiences uh, instead of, and maybe just taking a, a, a name for granted and do a little bit of research. It's easy to do now because we're all kind of tied to the Internet and have access to that, no matter typically who you are. And uh, really, you know, put a face with a name. And, uh, and and you can actually do virtual tours of their offices to see what it looks like, see if it's convenient, see what kind of insurance plans they may take. And, and you can have a lot of your questions answered before you even walk in the door. Yeah. And, and you know, you can call those places, too. They'd be glad to talk to you about, you know, the services they provide, sort of their pa- patient population, what it looks like. And, um yeah, like I tell people about going to see a physician, if if you receive some pushback, that's probably not the pay, place to go. It's the ones that uh, right. you know will give you that information that you can work with. This is Southern yeah. Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about dental issues today with our special guest, Dr. Chris Henry. You can reach us today at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. What are some of the things, you know, if you if you talk about some of the problems with, particularly with tooth decay uh, in kids and adolescents, uh, what what are some of the things that are the, the biggest risk factors there that do the most damage? Well, I you know, I, I, when you're seeing, being seen routinely, yeah, if, even if you see the signs of maybe the, the incipient or start of a small area of decay, a lot of times, you know, we can watch that. Maybe we can even treat it with some fluoride varnish and other things to maybe get that thing to arrest or stop. Um, I guess the, the, the worst thing is not seeing a child routinely and then seeing them again when something's really giving them pain or discomfort or, heaven forbid, facial swelling, because typically a facial swelling is going to be due, due to an abscess or, you know, an infection that's gone beyond the tooth into the surrounding bone and, and even the soft tissue. And then you have to have 
it addressed. Most of the time, that's extraction of a primary tooth. And if you have a baby tooth or a primary tooth out early, again, we kind of going back to holding that space for the erupting permanent tooth is very, very important. So you want to have a game plan for that, not only dealing with the immediate infection or abscess, but holding, preserving that space for the, for the future. And there's different ways to do that. I mean, the the way people think about it, I think traditionally you think about braces and then a retainer after that, but there's so many different ways and different types of, of ways to do it, right? Yeah, but most of the time in a younger child, if they uh, have lost, a, 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 a like, say, a back or posterior primary tooth, they, we can put what's called a fix or a glued-in type space maintainer to hold that. That way the parent doesn't have to worry about something that maybe is removable going mm-hmm. in and out of the mouth. Um, braces are hard because a lot of times if you lose a tooth uh, relatively early, it might be a number of years before you get the permanent tooth anywhere, you know, depending on when the primary tooth is lost, four or five or six years before that other tooth takes its place. And you want something that's really going to be out of mind, out of sight. Just remember to clean around it and then remove it at the appropriate time when the permanent tooth starts to erupt or show in the mouth. That's a whole lot easier. I know, you know, retainers can be lost. Uh, you have to remember to put it in. And certainly when you're dealing with kids, that's not something they can do, you know, sometimes reliably. Uh, mm-hmm. And I I would imagine, too, it, it uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong about that, but if something that's in place like that probably has less of a risk of, of caries or food that's retained around it. I know retainers sometimes can get really right. junked up with that. Yeah, and it's usually something removable in a growing, uh, maturing patient that uh, have, have a lot of primary teeth exfoliating or coming out has to be modified, too. So there's a lot of uh, adjustment that needs to go along. And a lot of times those things have to be remade if and, and you're just looking at a lot of maintenance. Too. A, lot of, a lot of times, like I said, if it's a single tooth, you can have what's called a space maintainer kind of glued in. Yeah. And it's anchored typically off a, a permanent six-year molar or another adjacent um, primary permanent uh, uh, primary molar that's in the back, and, and they can kind of secure it that way. Sure, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways. I mean, like you said, uh, tons of different options there. A lot of times you just kind of go with the most efficient one. That's going to be the easiest to clean and maintain until until you no longer need it. Right. Let's go to Eric, who's called in. Eric's on the road today with a question. Good morning, Eric. Hey guys. Thanks for calling. My pleasure. Nice job. Good program. Thank you. And I've got kids with teeth, so that's handy. Ah. That's pertinent. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. So it seems like I've got three kids. Two, uh, you know, are in line for braces. One's 12, one's 10. And they're always pulling two, two teeth out. And some of these teeth they're pulling out are like like going away. It's like, oh, that one's gone. We don't need it. But then it's like, okay, well, we, we had a certain number of teeth for a reason. And it seems like there's less room and they're just eliminating teeth. And I'm just wondering first is everybody going to get braces because it seems like maybe it's just my kids or is it just the way it is and the other thing is there a bigger something going on where the foods that we eat are altering our structure and making our jaws less capable of handling the teeth that we're supposed to have great question all right well um eric uh, good luck it sounds like you got your hands full like a lot of the parents out there with a uh, maturing uh uh, what you said, twelve and ten year old, I guess. Boy, girl, boy, girl, I guess. Girl, and then I have a seven year old who still isn't in the uh, line for braces, but I'm just expecting that that's coming. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll give you a little um, uh, a heads up of what you're experiencing. A lot of times, you can have what's called cereal extractions. Not like the cereal we eat, but you know, cereal in sequence. 
um, when we transition in from the permanent teeth to the uh, or from into permanent teeth, a lot of times those are bigger. Um, I had a parent once ask me, "Do the teeth keep growing?" And I said, "No, that's it's, you get you get." You have the permanent teeth that come in at the, at the age of like seven or eight that are the same size as when you're 70 or 80. So, but a lot of times the mouth at that age is not big enough to accommodate the room, you know, especially if there's already crowding or you have a perfect set of primary teeth. But you can guarantee that you're going to have a mouth that's going to be complicated if they start to transition into the permanent teeth. So what begins to happen, sometimes those permanent teeth overlap uh, another like tooth and a half. And... Uh, so sometimes you have to have, you have to almost kind of what I what I I allude to as robbing Peter to pay Paul. You have to take out maybe an additional uh, baby tooth or primary tooth on the side adjacent to that other tooth trying to come in, so that hopefully that permanent tooth will erupt in the proper position without rotation or are beginning to ectopically erupt or out of, out of, totally out of position because they're programmed to come in. You know they want to come in and they're going to keep coming in. And they will kind of veer off course sometimes if uh, if they don't have the, the amount of room or they can't uh, uh, resorb enough of the roots of the adjacent uh, primary teeth to come into play. So a lot of times you will have those, those baby teeth extracted on the side, and you're just kind of buying yourself some time, you know, kind of the calm before the storm, if you will, until they get old enough and get a you know, almost a full set of the permanent teeth that you can kind of move into addressing the crowding, maybe the positioning of the teeth along with the bite. So that's kind of, it sounds like what you what you have happening there as far as the, uh, the extraction. And then there's some cases if, um, you know, that they can be so crowded that maybe even permanent teeth have to be removed too, you know, and, uh, that, that right. can sometimes be, uh, you can push things more into your favor not to have permanent teeth out if you can have some early expansion and some and, and again going back to what we were talking about space maintenance is holding that space so that hopefully you can have a uh, you know all all of your permanent teeth now in every case that's not possible it's a it's a person to person it's not a cookbook and you know everybody kind of has their own treatment plan and diagnosis um, yeah. and kind of going forward into into treatment and you had alluded also I think Eric to um, what's happening with some of the change. Um, you know, I mean, we are in a, in a, in a stage in age of development where there's a lot more processed foods and there are, we are seeing more, um, congenitally missing teeth, uh, wisdom teeth, some lateral incisors and premolars, uh, a little bit more prevalent in, in, in maybe what we saw since we started looking with x-rays and things like that and, and, and. In, in, in the mouth, and those can be looked at some some different changes, if you will, that 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 we're seeing. We're not seeing, and and you know that's a gene typically that's kind of follows a familiar line. So usually, if you're continuously missing a permanent tooth, I usually ask, uh, is mom or dad or grandma or uncle anybody missing a permanent tooth? And usually, I'd say most of the time there's a there's a you know genetic you know relationship there where you have those missing teeth. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks a lot. And, and don't and don't forget you wanna you wanna make sure your seven year old whoever whatever uh, whatever orthodontist you're seeing for the twelve and ten, I'd go ahead and start seeing the uh, having the seven year old being seen. Uh, a lot of times there can be some things early on that can be preventative enough to where uh, he can have he or she can have a better experience as they begin to kind of mature. A lot of times orthodontists, you know, when when do you want to see them? You want to at age seven is really the ideal age to start seeing and tracking. If there's things that need to be done early on, like you had alluded to, sometimes primary yep. teeth have to be taken out. Mm-hmm. Got it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate All right, it. Eric. Thanks for calling. Um, yeah, a lot of teeth going on there. Uh, you know, that's in. 
you know, people have asked that. I've had people ask me that about wisdom teeth, too. It's like, well, they've got to be there for a reason, right? But really, uh, you know, as long as you got enough teeth to do all the things that you need to do for mastication and for keeping those bones in place, you know, e- even if you have poor teeth, uh, poor, uh, you know, dentition to the point in dental caries where you have all those teeth out, I mean, that'll change things. Those teeth are there for multiple reasons, and a lot of that is, is keeping the bones and the jaw in place, Correct. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I have a, a, a few patients who they have enough room for their wisdom teeth and they actually erupt in and, and, uh, I, and I try to, to make sure that they're in a line with the rest of the bite so that they can be functional. Uh, most of the time, usually the lower wisdom teeth are where we get into trouble uh, in which they have to be removed because the kind of the, the corner or the bend of the lower jaw where it's more vertical and it goes into more horizontal where the teeth are, are, are in function. They kind of develop on that on that bend of the lower jaw, and they kind of come in at a 45-degree angle. They can press into the 12-year molars, and they can get impacted. They can be partially erupted, and if they're partially erupted, it, it, it's, it's a nightmare to clean. And you want to address those when um, at an ideal time. You don't, you don't, if you wait until your adult years, it's going to be harder. It's kind of like you can appreciate this, Dr. Stewart, where if the tonsils are a problem, you, you probably had patients who had them out as an adult, and they would much rather have had them out when they were – 10 or 11 or 12. And yep. wisdom teeth are, you want to start thinking about those anywhere from 16, 17, give or take where your, where your child is at on stage of development. I would just recommend seeing an oral surgeon um, that, that uh, they address that issue every day. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about dental issues this morning with your family. And we're going to take another break at this time. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Chris Henry. You can call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be right back after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with Dr. Chris Henry, pediatric dentist and orthodontist. Talking about lots of good things that have to do with your kids' mouths, all the teeth that are there, all lots of other things, though, that happen in the mouth, and not, not just for chewing things and starting the digestive process, but it's also there that's uh, uh, the airway that uh, has to be maintained, and a lot of different things that can be uh, affected by that, you know, and uh, the alignment of your teeth, the alignment of your jaw and bone structure determines the alignment of those passageways. 
plenty of time for you to call in if you've got any kind of questions that you have about your the dental health of you or your family. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So, what about that, Chris? Is there, are there things that um, you know that can uh, change the airway that people may not be thinking about how their teeth might be? Uh, affecting the way they breathe or the bone structure would be affecting the way they breathe. Yeah, Dr. Stewart, it's, uh, you know, you start to look, uh, you know, when we see kids early on and we see narrow, narrowing upper arches of the palate, you know, I usually kind of have a sequence of questions that I begin to ask. Uh, you know, a lot of times if, if there was a habit or still a habit going on, pacifiers are one of those things that can kind of narrow that upper arch. Uh, some habits, another one. Um, but then, you know, you also want to take a look even beyond maybe the condition of what what we call, you know, in, in, in negative habits that, that can kind of narrow that palate. A lot of times it can be mouth breathing. That can be related to things such as a deviated septum, a large adenoids, tonsils, seasonal allergies. Um, and so even if sometimes we correct, um, you know, a narrow palate, we want to try to make sure that we've also you know, paid attention to a little bit of the etiology or the cause of what's what's causing that upper arch to be to be narrow in the first place. Yeah, and and you know that sort of follows you for life. I mean, a lot of, you can have some changes, but certainly uh, those bone structures, a lot of the bones in the skull are you know you have to they have to be uh, they're not solid all the way. They have growth centers. Um, just like all bones in our body do, to allow us the soft tissues, particularly in the skull, uh, the brain to grow. And, and a lot of the structures in the face, in the mid-face and lower face, do the same kind of thing. And they can change yeah, with l- pressure, so you're right. Yeah, a, a, lot of, a lot of the, on, on the upper arch, we really have the ability to expand. Mm-hmm. And that's why you, I'm sure some of the parents have had or experienced uh, uh, rapid palatal expanders that we place on the upper arch to widen the up, the upper arch you have the little key that kind of cranks it i'm sure some parents right now are, are listening and, and probably uh remembering the nightmares of inserting that key and, and rotating it trying to you know get get the right amount of turns but you know you know we want to make sure that we widen the palate to accommodate the lower we talked about the function the fit of the teeth uh, a lot of times if you have a narrow palate kind of going back into to facial development if you have a, a crossbite, and that means the top teeth fit inside the lower teeth, which that's not supposed to be the case. So if you're a parent out there and you look in your child's mouth tonight when you're kind of going through that routine brushing, uh, uh, you know, evening uh, exercises, if you see the upper teeth canted in or tipped in to where they're they're fitting inside the lower teeth, that's a crossbite. And a lot of times you'll have you'll see the kids begin to shift to one side because they you really want the teeth to fit together. And if they can't fit together, and, and even if you're a slight bit narrow, you'll start to have this deviation or shift of your lower jaw. If you have that and your child is undergoing active growth and development, they can almost develop an asymmetry of the lower jaw. So, so one, you can, one side will be side. a little bit yeah, mm-hmm. different uh, shape than the other. Yeah, absolutely. So, so getting so catching yeah. that early would be the key, I would imagine, and maybe trying to, uh, you know, to to get some corrective measures done before that becomes a little bit harder to do. It's really important to catch it early for a number of reasons. You talked about growth centers, and, mm-hmm. and another term is sutures, where two bone right. plates come come together, just like the skull. You know, uh, we get really concerned in the medical field if uh, an infant's born and those sutures are already fused, because then their brain can't develop. Uh, and it can be very detrimental. Well, on the on the palate, um, you know, it doesn't usually kind of fully fuse until other other markers. Um, and but it, it's not a, a, 
quick, immediate fusion of those two uh, halves of the upper jaw. But the earlier you catch it, the better chance uh, as a you know, as a dental professional, we have the ability to, to expand that and, and allow new bone to fill into that suture mm-hmm. to reaccommodate the upper arch, the upper set of teeth matching the lower set of teeth. And bones are uh, just a marvelous tissue. They can really, uh, you know, they change with time and they respond to pressure differently. And a lot of people think that they're just, you know, they're, they don't change. They're there. It's not like a rock in your body. It's uh, it's a living tissue that changes over time and can respond to different pressures. Let's go to Phil in Gulfport. Good morning, Phil. Thanks for calling. Good morning. Uh, I recently uh, had dental work done and had an extraction. Uh, fi- Phil, I think you're you're hitting some buttons there on your phone. So uh, can you repeat that? How's that? That's better. That's good. Yeah. I recently had some uh, procedure done and had a. Uh, molar removed and the bone graft started and the stitches came out bone graft deteriorated I subsequently had an accident and knocked out a couple of teeth and they say everything's okay but on my jaw on both sides um, the mandible and the maxilla do not seem to even come close to being attached but I can still chew thoughts um, that's well, what I'm saying about dentists yeah, Phil. Um, a, lot, a lot of times you want to take a look. I, I, I know kind of taking a residency program in the hospital, you really want to have the right type of x-rays during any kind of facial trauma to make sure uh, any other jaw fractures haven't been overlooked. Um, just, just to make sure uh, you, you can ha- have a fracture that m- might, might be part of your accident, your trauma. You could have a dislocation in your, your condyles and your TMJ, your joints, that have kind of gotten uh, disrupted a little bit. Maybe the cartilage in, the, in that joint has slipped out of place. Um, uh, when you're missing teeth, um, you know, especially due to, to some kind of traumatic event, you're, you're going to be kind of thrown into a little bit of disarray for a while until you can kind of reestablish what's functional to you also. You know, um, And if you had some extractions and then had a trauma, you want to make sure that um, if that was in the area where you had the, the bone graft material that it had a chance to integrate and uh, that you now have a game plan for the other teeth that might be missing too uh, that you can have incorporated. If you're if uh, if the teeth were knocked out with the trauma, you want to make sure, uh, Dr. Stewart and I, where we were talking about bone, and there's a couple of different types of bone that in, encase our teeth. The outside parts is really a cortical, dense-type bone, and where the teeth kind of sit, and then there's a medullary kind of a spongy bone. And if you have a traumatic event, sometimes the teeth, when they come out, they can actually take part of that rigid bone, the cortical bone. And then you're looking at maybe a little bit more difficult type of graft, and, and your options you know, could become a little bit more limited. So you really probably need to... Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure who in the Gulf Coast area who you're seeing, but uh, it, it could be that you might need to see an oral surgeon if it if to have some extensive X-rays to make sure there's not something structurally going on with the fit of your bite beyond just missing some teeth. All right, Phil. Any kind of time you have a, a complex issue like that, uh, it it you may you know want to look for a second opinion. I'm not second guessing anybody necessarily, but it always ha- helps to you know have somebody with a lot of experience, particularly when you're talking about trauma like that, and uh, and maybe even getting a, a couple of different people and different specialties on board, like the oral surgeon. So uh, that's that's uh, good advice to you. Thank you, Phil, for calling. 
This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about dental issue, issues today. You can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I have an email that says, is whitening treat are whitening treatments okay for teens? So what about that, Dr. Henry? Gosh, you know, um, I, I think there's a place for it. Uh, I think we just need to be careful not overdoing it. I mean, you want to be careful. One of the things that I, that I get, you know, having you know, studied in pediatric dentistry and in orthodontics is the fact that primary teeth are typically whiter than permanent teeth. There's a just different, you know, kind of composition of the enamel and the dentin. So you want to be careful that you're not kind of chasing that, that, the, that whiter look just because your primary teeth or little guy teeth, little girl teeth are whiter than, than your permanent teeth. You could have some different discolorations or stains that may not bleach as well as the rest of the enamel, and uh, there, there could be different things that lead up to those uh, spots on your, on your teeth. I would re- really seek a professional um, you know, a, opinion on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's safe, but just like anything, kind of like the tanning beds, we all thought that was safe until they got you know, a couple of cases where it was over-abused. So you really don't want to continue to over-abuse. There's a lot of over-the-counter stuff that even if that's abused can – you know, maybe have some long, long-term, you know, kind of concerns there, there too. You you might want to kind of go back to the diet too, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to kind of make sure there's not nothing there that's causing the extrinsic or outside staining of the teeth. That's uh, you know, I have a couple of patients who um, curry, uh, soy salt. A lot of that, a lot of those things are part of their diet, and so you have to really kind of watch that too. I would start with a really good cleaning. Uh, make sure you're in a professional hands, and just just make sure that you have a good protocol there's a lot of different bleaching systems out there uh one of the companies uh has a light system that they kind of paint a chemical on there and the light can kind of do it they can give you some take-home kits and i just think you just need to have it really well monitored to make sure you don't have any soft spots on your enamel that can bleach differently than other healthy parts of the enamel too what about the toothpaste that uh that are sort of whitening are those okay to use or is that something that you you know want to have the same kind of caution with yeah, you know, they have the, the, the chemical components in there a lot with the bleaching that can kind of give you a little bit. Uh, a lot of times those are, you, you know, you may not see as a, uh, as much of an impact as you would of, of, say, some of the strips that are out there that you can kind of place on your teeth for the lot of amount of time or some of the trays that you can get from your, your dental office there, there, too. If you tend to have a lot of buildup or tarnish or di- different discoloration, depending on the what's going on, you know, on the chemical structure and, again, maybe your diet, that might be a better toothpaste for you, yeah. for you also. I, I always wonder too if you know we see so many things that are uh, photoshopped, that are you know airbrushed in, and uh, certainly if you look at any kind of advertisement, I, I would be willing to bet you know if the, if a person's got a smile on their face, the color of their teeth probably have at least been whitened at least a little bit, and that that may have something to do with our perception of what we're supposed to look like a lot of times. You know, we live in a world where uh, it, it, it's it, whether it's Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I, I heard somebody say the other day that uh, is a professional athlete that oh, those are our highlight reels. So you got to understand that those people posting pictures, uh, they probably edited the picture themselves. Not only not only the the magazines these days can do things like that, but you have different apps that you can kind of certainly put the best foot forward. And maybe that might be an unrealistic approach. I mean, believe it or not, on the on the shade scales, we've got the widest it can be. And a lot of times if you're having dental work done, whether it's a veneer or, or front crowns or even dentures, you'll oftentimes hear your dentist say, you know, we want to 
do you want it to be unrealistic to where somebody looks at them and go, man, that doesn't even look real? Or do you want to kind of be within the in the spectrum of more natural, ideal, yeah. so that you know it can kind of be more realistic? You don't want to glow in the dark. <laughs> I've had people ask for that, for sure. But yeah, you want to, you want to try to stick within something that's, uh, in my opinion, that's that's natural. Not sure. only the shape, uh, but also the the, the color. For sure. sure. We're going to take one more quick break, and when we come back, we're going to finish up our discussion with Dr. Chris Henry. Got time for your calls? You can reach us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with Dr. Chris Henry. We're talking about dental health this morning. Got a couple of more minutes for a phone call or two if you have them. And uh, lots of different things that can be affected by good dental care and oral health uh, that you can do. But also you need to uh, go and see a professional who can give you some advice because some things, as uh, Dr. Henry pointed out earlier, aren't quite uh, um, blatant enough that you might not uh, you might miss those for, for the health of, of your kids' teeth or you. And um, certainly, you know, there's all kinds of different cosmetic things, too, that are out there that uh, it, some people may say, well, it's cosmetic. That's not really, you know, it's not really needed. Uh, when you're talking about kids and their social skills and how they interact, you know, one of the first things that uh, the interaction of, of people that we do, we look at eyes. We also look at teeth. We look at the mouth. And that certainly, uh, if there's some cosmetic issues there, particularly with kids, then that can affect sort of how they grow up. So that's uh, something something to think about. Let's go to Kelly in Pascagoula, who has a question this morning. Good morning, Kelly. Oh, hi. How are you? Good. Thank you for calling. Good. Um, I have a question. My daughter's nine, and um, she has, we've had a couple of situations where she had to have um, one tooth removed, and they put the um, spacer in to help maintain the space. And then, unfortunately, with our insurance, we had to switch dentist. And then she had to have a pediatric crown, and um, basically for the same reason. But the dentist had a little bit of a hard time explaining to me why one dentist would have used the spacer and the other one would have used the crown. And so I'm just kind of curious what was going on. All the dentist told me was, we just don't do the spacers when we switch to the second um, dentist. So I was wondering if there was some logic or rhyme or reason uh, on why those well, two hey, choices would have been made. Well, well, hey, Kelly, how are you doing? This is Dr. Henry. You doing all right down there? Yes, Pasadena? yes. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, did you see like a pediatric dentist or, or both times? Or, or yes, did both that times play into they were it? pediatric oh, okay. dentists. 
You know, a lot, a lot of times it depends on um, if uh, the amount of decay, how much tooth structure is left, and if the decay is kind of entered into the nerve of the tooth, and possibly if that uh, tooth has been so infected that they had begun to see in an x-ray the beginning signs of an abscess. Uh, and, it, and that's really a, a judgment call. A lot, a lot of the times that they feel like they can kind of, um, the, the, maybe the chances of saving that tooth if they feel like it's too far gone, then you haven't seen some of the signs of, a, of, of like facial swelling and things like that. But they've seen maybe on the, on the cheek or gum line some draining of the infection. And then a lot, a lot of times they, you can go ahead and remove that primary tooth and then maintain the space. Other, other times if they catch it early enough, maybe in a different situation, even in the same patient, that, um, that they could try to do like a little baby root canal where they kind of clean up that infection and they don't see any signs of infections beyond the, the tooth into the surrounding bone. And uh, if they do that little baby root canal, a lot of times you have to put a, a – usually it's a stainless steel crown. It's in the back. Don't worry. Not, not, and no one can see it unless they, they decide to show it off. And then just keep that tooth intact until it's time for it to fall out or exfoliate. It's typically better to maintain the tooth if possible with by using the doing the baby root canal. Um, you know, it really it really depends on the extent of how in, in how far that tooth has been in, impacted with the decay. And it, and again, sometimes you can see that on the X-ray that there's a hint of maybe the infection beyond the tooth in the surrounding bone. And a lot of times, if uh, if you if you I've had the circumstances happen to me where. You know, we're treating the child. We go in and we try to be, you know, as conservative as possible. Do the baby root canal, do the crown. Six months, a year later, we're taking the tooth out and putting a space maintainer in there. And then that's kind of, you know, it's kind of tough on the child because you're doing a, you know, even another a, a tougher procedure, you know, sometimes removing that tooth uh, in, in an earlier stage. So a lot of times it's a judgment call depending on uh, the, the extent of the, the that tooth and how it's been um yeah, you know, attack with the decay. And is there a sign on that initial x-ray if there's some an infection in the bone? A lot of times it's really, once you get that infection in the bone, uh, higher percent of the time that tooth has a hard time, even with the root canal, recovering in a primary tooth. It, the primary teeth, the structure is different. The nerve canals are different. There's so many little spindly little canals. You can't get a lot of times as good of a uh, a success rate as you can in a, in, a, in a permanent tooth that's more rigid and the canals are more are better defined. All right, I hate areas for, for the bacteria to go I, away. I hate to cut off. I hate to cut off our good discussion this morning. I want to thank our special guest, Dr. Chris Henry. That's all the time we have today on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I want to thank everybody who called in. If you had a question that didn't get answered, please email us at kids at mpbonline.org. I'm Dr. Jimmy. You can listen to us every Thursday at eleven o'clock on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.